0: Hello and welcome to episode 184 of Relics of Ore. I'm your host Greibach, and joining me this evening are my wonderful co-hosts Bravin and Spirit. How are you doing this evening, Bravin?
1: Doing well. No, there was a diaper emergency. care Take- <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, you got to get those got to get those emergencies taken care of. But otherwise, uh, doing well. It sounds like. Yeah. All right. Glad and- to be here as always. Yes, as always. And how about yourself, Spirit? How are you doing?
2: I am very excited to be back. It's been a long time. And as I'm sure you all know by now, there's a new Raid Wing out, which I was not able to talk about at the time when it was coming out. And I'm really excited about it. And I can't wait to talk about it with everyone.
0: Yes, that is very exciting. Indeed, we've had some extenuating real life circumstances coupled with aside from the raid, not a lot to talk about. But we are back now to talk about everything that's happened since our last podcast. So. Do you guys want to start with the raid or end with the raid? I'm fine going either way.
2: I have no strong preferences.
0: Okay, let's end with, the raid. End with the
1: raid. What else do we going to talk about?
0: Yeah, um, not, not too much. Uh. There's been a few more of the... I don't know what we're calling these updates to the world. They're like mini living world updates. Call them pulse updates. Pulse. There we go, okay. So yeah, Pulse Updates. Okay, we can call it that. That's that's a fine name for them. So there's been a couple more since the last time we did it. There was an event where you... A, a second Bandit event, and also a second Leyline event. And then there's also the posters. Have you guys done both of... Or all three of these, rather?
1: I've seen the second Bandit event where a you know, Legendary comes to try to get you after.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've seen that one, too.
1: Yeah, that's yeah, interesting. That's- pretty hardcore it is
0: yeah because it puts you in sort of a locked arena that you can't enter or exit although you can sort of bug your way in or out of it or you can also pull them out of it i don't i've only done one of them but the one the legendary that we were fighting had a spin to win type move and he could spin out of the ring which happened several times so yeah but there weren't a lot of people when i did it because i did it a while after it came out Have you guys, did you guys pretty much just sort of do them when they came out and then not go back and do them too much?
1: I did it once, and there was probably like eight people. It was the same week it came out, but maybe the Friday after or something. And with eight people, it was really interesting. It was fun. How
0: about you, Spirit?
2: Um, I did one right at the start. I think the day it came out, I just happened to be available for the first time in a long time. And so I went, yeah, I did it right away. Um, and then I've done a couple since because I've been working on, uh, the other related achievements. I've been getting really close to one of my achievement point milestones. So I'm like, yeah, I get all these achievements that I don't really don't care about. Um, but yeah, so I've done it, um, both with a lot of people and with very few people and it was a lot of fun both times.
0: Yeah. I noticed that it was quite hard when I was doing it, but there were only maybe four other people doing it with me when I, when I was doing the legendary champion bandit guy. So that was pretty long, and our DPS was pretty low, but I would imagine it would be at least a little bit easier to do with more people. I don't know how well it scales.
2: Um, I think it, definitely in terms of in, like individual responsibility, uh, which is going to come up a lot, probably, uh, it's definitely a lot easier with more people, because he will actually flee if he finishes everyone in the circle. Right, So, right. And he, he does have a finisher move that he will use on you if you're in the down state, so the more people that are there obviously the more people that are more likely to keep him in combat you know
0: yeah yeah that makes sense so i guess well first let's talk about the one with the the ley line energy where you have to collect it and then get it back to the little zone i know that some people were frustrated that unlike normal drops uh, they were shared drops and so players are effectively competing with each other to get the same drops in order to get these achievements and um that's pretty unusual in Guild Wars. They've tried to really stay away from shared resources. Shared meaning there is only a set number of them total, and players don't have their own instances of them. So, I don't know. What do you what do you think about that? Does it does that sort of irritate you, or does it does it just seem sort of like a mistake that they didn't really think about? I know that it isn't such a big deal now that there's a lot fewer people doing them, but I don't know. It sort of struck me as odd.
2: Um, I, you know, I I, can't, I can only speak secondhand here because I actually haven't caught this particular event. Um, I don't necessarily... I don't necessarily mind the idea of competing for resources. Um, I haven't played it in context to, you know, get a feel for that. It does definitely just, even in a concept, sound very out of the spirit of Guild Wars 2. And if you are... Playing Guild Wars 2 because you want to avoid things like that, then I can definitely see how people would be mad. For me, that's not a huge, uh, you know, it's not a huge issue for me. I don't mind competing for things necessarily, but I can see how it would be for people who don't like to do that.
0: Yeah, I. I think definitely now it's not such a big deal because, like I said, when I went there, there were only a couple people doing it, so it wasn't hard to get them. I do remember, though, looking over my wife's shoulder while she was playing it, and she was doing it right when it came out, and it was just a huge visual cluster, and... It was just one of those really frustrating experiences where you'd get there, and you'd, you'd try and pick it up, and somebody would ninja it, and then you'd try and go to another one, which everybody was already moving towards, and sometimes you would get one, but it seemed like you'd only get a couple per event, and you need 30 to finish the achievement. Um, and a big part of that is things like lag, player count, you know, not necessarily adequately scaling the amount of drops based on players and also again just the fact that that's not a very sort of guild warsy feeling so i would i would mostly chalk it up to maybe they didn't really think about that at least in the guild wars context and yeah it's not a, it's not a huge deal it's not really a controversy per se it's just it's it's interesting to see them fall into some of those pitfalls or at least design decisions that many other mmos make mm-hmm. uh because they do it so rarely i would say yeah so what I was starting to say or ask um, before I remembered about that resource sharing thing is, I guess, I guess just how you feel about this in general. I know that we've talked about it a little bit uh, the last time that we did this. And I think that, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that we're all kind of antsy to get Living Worlds started again. And on the one hand, it's kind of nice that things are changing. But on the other hand their very bite-sized nature and i mean you know extremely bite-sized makes it a little bit hard to i don't know get motivated to really complete them to like do all of them unless you are just going for the achievement points like they don't seem to scratch that same itch that the living story does um i
2: think um i'm feeling that the more they add up the more i'm interested in doing them but they're a little unfortunately a little bit samey like they added a new like one of them was they added a new round of bandits um so now the pool of bounties you can get is up to 10 instead of just five um it didn't that one in particular felt like it didn't really add anything for me because i was already doing the bounties anyway and i didn't really care that there were five different bandits i'm still gonna go and i'm still going wait for them and i'm still gonna you know kill them maybe struggle a little bit if there's only one or two people there but it didn't change anything necessarily for me but now um now that it's sort of grown as a whole and i definitely appreciated it more when i sort of I, I came back from being away for several weeks in a row and there were multiple things for me to go and check out sort of at my pace um i i did enjoy that aspect of it um when that yeah, has gone away has
1: it I haven't lost any of the updates. they just they're all no. pers- System. yeah the,
2: okay. they're all um adding up and i don't think any of them have changed or disappeared in any way yeah, yeah it'll I think be inter- it, you're right no, go ahead
1: it is more fun when you've uh because w- i i wasn't following them until bandits and they launched me to do the bandit episode that we did last episode i bandits. think yeah the wet bandits wait it wasn't we talked about this before and um so yeah when there was something built up I kind of liked that, and I was. Um, oh, I've been off since Friday, where I haven't logged in. So I want to see, you know, what what's gotten in there and check out the raid wings and stuff. So, or at least what I can to check out the raid. So you're right, just There's something to um, going away and coming back to it. But if it's just little piecemeal, like little bites, it does seem kind of uninter- uninteresting, unless you're just going for uh, achievement points.
0: Yeah, I'm curious to see how long these will last, or if they will just stay sort of forever, because things in Living Story Season 1 pretty much just went away. and yeah. But things in Season 2 that stuck around were persistent. There are not a ton of the... Op- or sorry, not... Pre- uh, instanced, rather. So aside from the new maps, there weren't a ton of new events or things like that that were added. It was mostly the new maps and sort of changing the landscape, but not not new events all over the place. But I guess... If I think about it, I guess the Madre events are still in, so yeah it'll be it'll be interesting to see if we just sort of have some new timeline locked events that are sort of asynchronous with the zone that they're taking place in, or you know yeah i i would i honestly kind of hope that they stay just for exactly that effect that you were talking about yeah. where mm-hmm. you go away for a while and you come back and now actually a lot of stuff has changed and Maybe you see it in the order that it came out, or maybe you don't, but and that I think that's idea one of the, that things have moved forward.
1: I think that's one of the biggest persistent complaints of season one was that it went away and people who st- stopped playing, they only have whispers and ideas from it. It's just there's nothing uh, nothing to, to feel. They've talked about bringing it back, but so far we haven't seen anything. They'd like to bring it back somehow, I know they've mentioned, but you can buy the buy the rewards off the from Laurels with Laurels, but other than that, there's not much you can do.
0: Yeah, I think I, I definitely had friends that sort of stopped playing for a while. And then when I tried to get them to come back, they were basically just saying, well, we don't really know what's happened. And we can't do any of what's happened. So we can pretty much just pick up on the new chapter. But it would be like if you could only watch the most recent episode of a TV show, and yeah. you couldn't go back and catch up on it. Like most people would not start in the middle, they would, or at least not in the middle of a season, they would, you know, they would just say, eh, that's too much to, too much to bother if i can't catch up or i can't see the early stuff then you know i i don't have as much of a connection so i think yeah I, ho- I hope that they i hope that they keep these persistent and keep them in the game if for no other reason than it spices up these old zones that people haven't been in for a long time so i think it's a cool concept
2: yeah it was really cool to sort of discover them on my own as well, just um sort of through natural gameplay, not just yeah. you know there is a new event to go find them because they are so um spread out like one of the um one of the things that started the poster scavenger hunt uh, was I was just in my home instance gathering my you know my daily stuff out of there and i went oh that's new there's a poster there and i went and did that and then i unlocked this achievement this achievement had a scavenger hunt so there's a sort of natural flow of gameplay it's not like this thing is added that you have to very specifically go talk to this npc in a zone that you've never gone to that you don't want to talk to the npcs anymore you've been there a thousand times but you don't want to go there anymore so it's not like super out of the way this is small stuff that fits in with the world Um, That you're likely to discover on your own and lead to bigger adventures because if I mean like things like killing a bandit to start those bandit bounty hunt quests those you know it's not in your face telling you you must go to this area to start this quest. Um, and it's not in one specific area, it's very likely that a player within a couple of weeks will kill a bandit or three or four and get that bounty quest, and so be absorbed into the story that way. It's, it feels very natural, and I it's, really yeah. enjoy that aspect of it. It's
1: nice to have that organic surprise.
0: Yeah, one one minor complaint I would have about Guild Wars', Guild Wars messaging is that since there's no quest log, there is an extreme reliance on the in-game mail system and i feel that if you come back to the game after a long absence you are barraged with message like mail and that's not a very readable or memorable way to get people on these quest lines so i almost i almost feel like it might be worth having almost like a a quest board and maybe in the form of like a mail outpost or something where you like we should
1: get a mail system that's for the devs to give us stuff through story, and then mail system for us to communicate with each other, separate right. it out. Yeah. Where,
0: so you could say, like, okay, what have I missed? And then you go to the, you know, message board or yeah. whatever, and it would function kind of like a mini quest log, but only for living world quests or things like that. I do really like, as you as you said, Spirit, just the idea of organically discovering these things, and I think that that is a way that... It is a really strong suit of Guild Wars, because once again since there is no quest log there is no official quest step or order you can do it in or have to do it in you just sort of do it and you get credit so i mm-hmm. think that's really good i just i kind of wish that they didn't have to communicate through the mail it's so i guess it's just sort of a pro and con of not having a quest log officially but anyway so really the only other things to talk about aside from the raid which is presumably going to take up quite a chunk of this episode is the latest two things that got the community irritated upset frustrated however you want to put it about one the new black lion skins and two the precursor armor
1: spirit so (laughs) i've got a question about this though because i was happy to be watching twitter when you went crazy on it justin and I was looking at Reddit and all these things, and then I kind of went away from it, kind of angry. But when I came back to look at it, again, it's like, oh, wait, this isn't going to be every Black Lion skin from here on out. What was the condition there? How come people thought it was forever? Just because maybe... they didn't
0: say it wasn't at okay. first. Later, later. so so basically, what got people up in arms is that the new Black Lion skins are account-bound, and so you it means you can't trading post them. So it means you can't yeah. sell them for profit, it means you can't buy them... For gold, it means that you can only get them from gambling on Black Lion scraps or tickets. And the rate of return on those is not super good for most
1: people. No, it usually isn't.
0: And there's a lot of people, I think, at least myself included, that just patently refuse to use gambling mechanics. I... That's very reasonable. I'm unlucky. Yeah, considering my luck at trying to gamble in the Mystic Forge, I feel feel pretty turned off from that. So, the big uproar was basically this thought that they were changing future blackline skins to be account bound only and pretty much just completely removing the market option. And cuz cuz it just feels kind of it feels kind of cash grabby slash I'm not going to say manipulative, but i mean it's basically trying it's trying to force you to use a gambling system as opposed to the auction house and i definitely yeah. know people myself because and my wife included that would buy gold with gems to buy them off the trading post and you know that was like eight or ten bucks for one of those skins was basically the going rate so you know if if you couldn't do that that's that's already a really high price to be paying <laughs> for a single weapon skin so yeah what were you gonna say
1: no, I, I agree. If you know people were farming gold to do that, and now they're unobtainable except through RNG, which this game has so many things that is have re- are reasonably complainable through RNG. That it just seemed like a, a cash grab, kind of a slimy move.
0: Yeah, and the th- I mean, because the thing is, you could you can still just farm gold to buy the keys with gems, but again, it it just comes down yeah. to. It, down to how you spend your time and money and whether gambling is an acceptable usage of that. Uh, the the good news, I guess, is that not all further Black Lion skins are going to be account bound. They clarified that later in the thread. They said something to the effect of that these ones are special. And so they wanted to make them more exclusive, which is basically just sort of (laughs) we know that nobody likes to use black lion keys so we're going to make them more air quote valuable by making people gamble on them but I just, I have to wonder what was so special about these skins in the first place. Like, they say that they're special, but it's not like they're skins that are anniversary-themed or really themed after any major theme in Guild Wars. Like, if any skins would be considered special, I would have said maybe the Balthazar or the Chaos skins, because those both Mm -hmm. have really strong Guild Wars lore or Guild Wars 1 ties, and yet those went the opposite direction by dropping directly from black lion chests and it tanked the market on those so
1: yeah that- same though with the tormented weapons It oh, yeah, would make more sense too. for those yeah to be yeah. categorized as special
0: as special right and so to to some people and again myself included it it read as testing the waters for how people would react to having account bound only black lion skins mm-hmm and uh, like they're special because we decided to see if you guys would be upset about it (laughs) not not any other reason so you you know i don't know that's i guess that that's pretty much my entire position on it spirit do you have any thoughts i know you were kind of away for when that happened
2: uh i'm roughly in the same boat i mean it sort of happened overnight for me as well so by the time i woke up and was everyone was like ah everything's on fire they like the the posts saying that they were special were already up and i didn't Read anything too much into it, but I definitely also had that feeling of like, well, I don't necessarily believe you that it's special for any other reason than, like you said, they wanted to test the waters. Um, I mean, if it was really special, I would hope they would tell us, like, if it was designed by a guest artist or it had some special significance to the game or the, you know, the studio. I wish they had like said something about it. You know, like these are special because you know so and so did these in their spare time or what I- something like that like i would hope they would talk about it and you know i would have this this feeling of oh yeah those are special i don't mind that they're a compound but i didn't necessarily get any of that just very much that yeah they just wanted to see what we would do
0: yeah and if they really wanted good press it would have been something like oh these are special because they are pink weapons and for this week, all proceeds from Black Lion key sales will go towards a breast cancer foundation. Or <laughs> like, yeah. like okay, yeah, then people would probably be, maybe people would go totally uh, and, and ape when you... feces over, <laughs> <laughs> over uh, you know, gambling on these things because they wouldn't feel like they were being taken advantage of, they would feel like there was actually a special cause involved,
1: but- And when you said pink weapons, I was assuming that they'd be, uh, ascended as well as a skin.
0: Oh, well, that would be- A whole
2: the... nother kettle of fish.
0: <laughs> yeah, then- then- then we'd get pay-to-win arguments coming in. uh uh-huh. Not that it's really- yeah. Anyway, that's a whole different can of worms. But, yeah, I- I don't know. I think- it's funny how much the discussion died down almost overnight- as you said, but I don't think it really died down because people were placated. I think it just sort of died down because everybody that was really upset about it said their piece and then just tuned out. Like, there's really not much to argue about. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. Um, and as I said, the the other major minor, I don't know, I don't know the scope of it. Controversy is over Char and Asura uh, precursor legendary armor pieces having boob plates.
1: And now I've heard about this, but I haven't seen the pictures. <laughs>
0: uh, I think there's actually a. I think the link I put in is a link to pictures. Okay, I'll check that. Um,
2: Spirit, do you have any thoughts on this? Um, sort of mixed thoughts. Again, I know. I know you guys. You asked me for a position, and I'm like, oh, well, I got a lot of different thoughts about it. Um, I. I mean, I was disappointed in the the quality of the armor. I guess. Um, I am not disappointed that it has unique skins. Uh, I'm not terribly disappointed in the style or anything of it. It is the first step of a precursor armor, and if you've looked at any other, like, the first step of any precursor weapon, they're all, like, bent and broken and just an absolute mess. And so I I wasn't really expecting anything um, more than, you know, more than that. And in fact, I thought it would be very cool if they had a, a armor set that was very beat up and, um sort of destroyed because they're all there aren't many like that uh that's not what we got we got a set that looks very whole and of course has has boobs for asura and char um in terms of having i guess feminine armor on asura and char i don't necessarily mind that um they don't uh i'm trying to think how to phrase it um there aren't many gender differences between female and male Asura and Char armor. Um, I don't mind having that option for people who do want their Char or Asura to have a very feminine or a very masculine look. I think it's very cool that um, there are armor and outfits that sort of run the spectrum for for those races. And I think that um, is a very good selling point of Guild Wars 2. In this particular case, um, I felt that it was more about it just didn't look consistent with the armor or yeah it, it it wasn't a good look for the armor basically is what it was uh i don't necessarily i'm not necessarily mad about the boot plates but they i mean they didn't even like conform to the chest or anything it just was sort of this weird plate that jutted out and there was nothing filling it out and just it just looked real bad so i'm what they ultimately decided to do is, is Mike basically, Mike O'Brien, put out a thread to the community and said, hey, this isn't, you know, this hasn't been in very long. We understand that people are disappointed. Uh, what would you like us to do, do about it? Would you like us to keep the female ones or would you like to us to switch it to the, the male version? And uh, there was a lot of back and forth in the thread, a lot of interesting reasons sort of on both sides why people wanted it one way or the other. Uh, but ultimately, they've decided to switch it over to the mail-, mail plates. I don't believe that's in yet. I haven't seen it, if it is, um, because I don't have the armor yet, uh, thanks to another small kerb ruffle with legendary armor, uh, which I can talk about in a bit, but we can finish this thought first. So, so that was my very long and meandering way of saying I had mixed feelings. I don't really care either way because I'm not going to keep the set, but yeah, it's over now, so <laughs> I don't really see the point.
0: Sure, Robin. Do you have any? Do you have any thoughts, states I don't on know. the issue? I
1: just thought it was weird that they would add that because I mean, there was a lot of uh, speculation before Guild Wars Two launched that you know we'd see female char where we hadn't seen them in mass before, if at all, and uh, we didn't know if we were going to get you know anime cat girls or if we were going to get beasts like the char. And I thought it was kind of cool that uh, Anet, you know, went with more of a bestial version. You know, they didn't sexualize them and so the fact that they did that and now all of a sudden they have boot plate i'm like well are they trying to go in the other direction so yeah i don't know and azura azura are so i mean they've always been so there's not much difference between the uh sexes in azura and azura have never shown any real inclination to be attracted to each other for their physical appearance it's all you know what how they can breed better progeny so it's just all the brains for them so yeah, I don't know. If it doesn't even work anatomically with Azura, why are they doing it? I think there's a lot of lower reasons that it should stay the way it is, because it's been presented that way, so I can see why people get upset, but is it that big a deal if people want to, I don't know, sexualize their female char? I guess that's, that's their thing. Or maybe it's not about that, I don't know. But I guess, whatever.
0: Yeah, I think... So I think there's sort of two separate points here, and and you know spirit really touched on both of them basically but uh and and raven did as well on the on the female design of charnasura i personally have have always found that to be one of Anet's more interesting and in in many ways sort of braver decisions to not put boobs on two of their races um because that temptation is so strong and it's so it's so common and you you know that there are people that would prefer to have boobs like on char, um, for example, and
1: uh, I don't know. I think there'd be people that would prefer to have anime cat girls as a female char.
0: Well, yeah, but it, <laughs> it's, that's what I mean. Like there there are people that would prefer that that style of look, and for ArenaNet to really just say say no, like you know, three of our races have boobs and th- two of them don't, and that's just That's just how it is like we're trying to evoke the look of a fearsome predator and not, you know, human sexual characteristics like male char don't look like, you know, don't really look like humans. They look like giant cat bull, you know, monsters. And so from that perspective, I think it was kind of boneheaded for them to use the female props that were complete with boob plate. Um, but the, the point that Spirit brought up is sort of a separate but also interesting point, which is just that, as you said, there's not a difference between male and female armor for the most part on Char and Asura, and that's because they just both use the same model. They just both use the the masculine model, and I think it would have been much more interesting, especially from for something as rare and special as legendary armor is supposed to be for them to actually have unique designs for male and female across all races and like maybe they could still look basically the same but actually have a different model for female char and asura that is similar in form to female for the rest of the races but just didn't have boob plate
1: that'd be and that would be what you'd expect almost with this legendary armor being at that special, like you said.
0: Yeah. and I think that that idea of having sort of more feminine clothing and I'm not talking about having boobs, I just mean sort of just a generic stylistic choice is something that is lacking in both of those races much of the time because you know they because they are just using the same as as the men. Yeah it, um, was an, it
1: could have been an opportunity to uh, show more feminine masculine choices within their own species.
0: Right and i think that would have mostly got the best of both worlds but i have to feel like at this point ArenaNet almost has to regret having five races that can't mm-hmm. all wear the same armor <laughs> in terms of in terms of clipping because if you see i mean that i don't think chartales are ever going to get fixed like i i just don't i don't think that they have the manpower to go back and remodel every single lower body piece for char for just char to give them a tail hole like i just i just don't think it's gonna happen and as much as everybody loves char um i i just think that it's more of a problem than it is uh i mean it's a benefit for everybody that loves char obviously but from a development standpoint it basically means that for the most part forevermore, they're just going to have the same shortcomings with them i.e that they just only wear the male armor there's no there's not very much sexual dimorphism in their armor design and the, they're gonna have clipping issues and that's just gonna always be something that annoys the people that play them and they, they really just don't have the resources to make that any different but since they're already in the game and they're a huge part of the game you can't you can't sort of take that back. Um so yeah I mean that's that's just sort of one of those interesting things I I highly doubt that they really realized how much of a drain it would be to to ha- like try and design armor for, that's like specially different for for certain races that doesn't just g- generically slap onto every other race so yeah, I don't know. It's I I find that kind of stuff interesting to think about from where they likely started, what, eight years ago when they were building Guild Wars 2? And, you know, where it is now. Um, yeah, I, I just... I, I can't imagine that they predicted it was going to be as much of a problem, and they probably kind of regret it now, but there's nothing they can do about it, so...
1: Yeah, it's a fun, it's a fun thing to say, hey, let's make Char playable, and not think about the infinite consequences of all these armor sets on different models
0: yeah yeah and and then you know the then the consequence of well everybody's armor looks the exact same between male and female because Mm -hmm. it's just the male armor you know yeah again
1: going back legendary armor being as special it is it is understandable that maybe they should do a little bit more distinction but hey
2: yeah Yeah. i'm i'm sort of in the boat of also just to add on to this is a little bit different but um It is the precursor armor. It is not the legendary armor. Ah. It's a logical leap to think that, you know, the legendary armor will be a derivative of this current set. Not a single uh, legendary weapon looks very much like the precursor for it. Um, I suppose they have changed now, but they didn't used to be that way. I don't know. I'm not that I'm not that worried at this stage that, you know, legendary armor isn't going to have a lot of love and care put into kind of a mechanical question then
1: is this precursor set the uh ascended that you get when you complete the collection is that it yes okay um
2: so yeah i guess that's a good bridge because i was going to talk about the collection anyway uh when you finish the the first collection for legendary armor this is the set that is is given to you you get a whole set of legendary armor that you choose the weight, you choose the stats, um, all of the stats, including the Heart of Florence stats, and it's just basically a free set of uh, ascended armor. Um, in order to, to get that, you have to do Spirit Veil a number of times. I think you have to kill Gorsuval five times. Um, that sounds I think right. that's the highest boss that you have to kill multiple times. Each one, it's pretty much you only have to kill them once. Uh, and then I'll give you some kind of item that you might have to take out in the world and do a little bit with. Um, other than that... I don't think anything is too drastic. Um, there's one thing where you have to get um, 10 ectoplasmic residue and they can drop from any wing. So there are 10 chests that you can open per week for those, nine, nine or 10 chests that you can open for those every week. Uh, it's not a 100% drop rate, but uh, you know you should get it within a week or two. Uh, of opening all 10 chests it took me maybe three weeks of of doing it just when spirit veil came out i hadn't done any the other wings weren't out so i couldn't get them for the other chests uh the item that's stopping me from getting it is that it only drops from one of three chests in the new wing uh and those chests are on a weekly lockout and it's got about uh, from what i've heard like a 15 to 20 percent drop rate uh, so I've not gotten this item from the six chests that I've opened, and now I'm forced to wait another week to see if I can get this item from RNG. That's the only thing holding me back from having a full set of ascended precursor armor, which is a little bit. Uh,
1: so a little, there's a little no... bit is
2: an understatement. I'm I'm pretty uh, irked about it, but there's not much I can do about it. So it's just sort of an angry patience.
1: So is it just the collection and finding these things and putting them, there's no extreme cost to this? It's just completing the wings? No, not, That's
2: not, kind for of the cool. first, not for the first collection. There's no, um, you know, other than being able to complete the raid, whatever cost you incur yeah. doing that from food or gearing up your characters, there's no additional, you don't have to pay anything for it. It's just doing things.
0: Well, you know how I feel about RNG, so...
2: Yeah, no, I mean... <laughs> it it is it is pretty much an outlier this one thing it's uh they usually have rng that you have multiple chances at a week or you know or a time gate that you're going to work towards slowly but it is is capped off and unfortunately uh this is maybe the only instance that i can think of of that Uh, and it is unfortunate that it happened but it is also not the end of the world so
0: this one trick to keep your players logging in and opening a chest players (laughs) hate it (laughs) Uh, yeah,
2: essentially, yeah. I, I think the top comment in the thread was, is it okay to have RNG items? Yes. Is it okay to have time gates? Yes. Is it okay to have them in conjunction? Hell no. And that, yeah, that's basically how I feel about it as well. It's not, you know, not a controversial thing or something to argue about. It's just a disappointment, womp, womp.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, that... Pretty much sums up all of our um, controversies, gripes, thoughts, and discussion on the Pulse events, as Rabin coined. Um, And you've sort of bridged us nicely into talking about raids, so are you ready to talk for the next, I don't know, 45 minutes alone Mm -hmm. about raids?
2: Goodness, I don't know.
0: All right. well, Rabin and I haven't set foot in Raid Wing 3, so is pretty much completely up to you. so uh, take it away fearless leader.
2: <laughs> okay um,
0: <laughs>
2: I'm trying to think of how to start this because we we talked about before the show whether we wanted to cover too much story or not, but I don't know how to quite set it up with talking about the story. So
0: so I so as a guideline, I would say, Boss names are fine because yeah. those the names have been all over Reddit and all over that kind of stuff. So don't worry about tiptoeing around boss names or encounter names, but leave out um, story cutscenes or perhaps little lorey things that are n- investigation based, where you you know go up and read things and and pretty much focus on just the encounters and sort of what it looks like in the map layout and those kinds of things. Does that help?
2: Yeah, um, I am going to so- talk about the previous raid right wing to sort of set that up, though.
1: Okay, talk uh, about the previous raid right wing, and then I've got a question.
2: Cool. So at, at the end of Salvation Pass, um, essentially, we have had the big reveal that the White Mantle are here active, organized, in force. Um, they are sacrificing people. We don't necessarily understand why, but something is going on, and... Not only that, uh, magic is going crazy around these people. Matthias is an elementalist, white mantle elementalist who's sacrificing people, um, loses control, absolutely hulks out, and is generally very crazy.
1: And when you say loses control, there's snowstorms around him in his visit general vicinity because he's such a powerful elementalist that he can't control.
2: That's before he... Uh, Goes out of control. While you're actually fighting him, he totally loses control of it, and the elements are just spinning out of control around him and cycling through these different phases with environmental effects. So uh, it gets worse, basically. It gets worse. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So uh, upon defeating Mathias, uh, you have uh, a ley line opens up for you, I think. I haven't actually cleared Salvation Pass and gone straight into Stronghold of the Faithful. I've only done them separately. Uh, but if you are not clearing Raid Wings, what you can do is you can go from the start of Spirit vale, uh kill sabatha and then there's a portal that goes straight into Salvation Pass. You can go all the way through Salvation Pass, and then there's a portal straight into so- Stronghold of the Faithful. So they all, are all connected from within the raids. Um, so upon de- defeating Matthias, you go through this next portal into Stronghold of the Faithful. Which is the name of the next raid wing, and as one might expect, it is a stronghold uh, that you are progressing throughout to. Uh, root the White Mantle at their sources, essentially, and get to the the heart of what is going on here. Uh, So the first encounter is called Sieging the Keep. It's a very simple encounter. People are saying it's probably the easiest encounter in raids. Um, That is also sort of my experience. We got um, one of Relics' groups through it in two or three attempts. And they they have been raiding together for a while. It was a number of people who who do raid quite often. It's not like we were just going in completely blind. Um, but it also wasn't that wasn't that difficult in terms of an organized attempt, and it's also not a dedicated boss. Uh, it's more like waves of enemies, um, being careful about where you step, being very strategic about uh, your class choices and things. And so, on one hand, I I sort of recommend it if you want to get into raids, uh, but at the same time, it's not necessarily representative of what you're going to be finding in other raid wings so if you are getting into it here you know just sort of take it with a grain of salt how representative it is of other wings um so the goal of this encounter is to escort an npc through um into up to a gate i guess to break it open to get into the keep uh, and while you're doing that you're being besieged by numerous white mantle enemies they have really nasty attack um you will get kicked into oblivion. They like to kick you everywhere, and then they hammer smash you, and then they fear you into a mine, which instantly kills you. Um, it's not, I mean, it is very much an escort quest, but a cool aspect of it is that everyone in the party gets a special action skill, which calls the NPC to you. So it's not just like an NPC on rails tries to walk down and or you know or stops where there's an enemy. Uh, you have a fair amount of control over how this event progresses, uh, which I don't know. It it doesn't it doesn't irk me for an escort quest. I'll put it that way. A lot of times players hear escort quests and they're like because there are all kinds of problems that come with them. But it, it didn't it didn't bother me in that way. Um, uh, sort of an additional layer of this is that you need to split up your team because there are five turrets that line the path of of this place. The only way to get to those turrets is through a cave filled with nasty, nasty mushroom, uh, which you need Forsaken Water's Mastery to get through. And then once you're up on the turrets, you need Leyline Masteries to get between them. Uh, so this is an encounter that, that does require a lot of Masteries. We haven't seen many of those or any as high tier as these
0: what which you said did you say forsaken waters
2: yes forsaken waters is the third mastery in the raid line
0: oh okay so what which encounter do you have to have beaten to get access to that
2: none or just one one of any raid encounter will unlock the raid mastery line okay so and then you can train as many into it yes um but yeah, uh, only three to four people in your party need to have those, so it's not like it's every- like something everyone has to have. Um, and then additionally, if you have the fourth mastery in the raid line, it is useful, but only one person needs it, because only one person can use it at a time. So uh, not necessary to have everyone have it, but very useful to have a couple extra masteries for that fight, and it'll make it go a lot smoother for your team if you if you do have those. Um, once you're up on the turrets, you can A, turn them off so that Glenna can be escorted through the area. Um, and then B, use the turrets against the enemies to, to slow them, knock them down, help your team progress faster. Um, but once you capture a turret, there are wargs sent out from front and back to destroy Glenna. And they, I think, two shot her if they hit her. Um, so you're sort of pulled into three directions with your group. Um, You know, people capping the turrets and holding them, people pushing Glenna down the lane, and then people snaring and and preventing the works from getting to you. And that's sort of the the meat of the encounter, is is navigating those three things. I'm trying to think. Uh, Oh, (laughs) there is an achievement for this. There's a a couple of achievements for this encounter. Um, But the one that I find adorable is called Love is Bunny. And essentially, you can opt into nine manning the encounter by carrying a bunny from the start of the encounter all the way to the end. And if you do, um, you get an achievement with a couple extra things, a loot box, and uh, uh, that loot box has a couple of ascended mats in it. But also when you set it down, the bunnies start making love hearts, and then all of a sudden, you know, like 5 or 10 or 15, you know, other bunnies start popping up once you uh, unite them at the end.
1: (laughs) That's awesome. Do you get a title for it?
2: No, there's no titles for the new wing, unfortunately. Ah.
0: (laughs) That's funny because we were just talking today on Twitter about how there's a million rabbits in the Pacific Northwest.
2: I saw that. I had a good laugh about it.
0: (laughs) Maybe that's where the idea came from.
2: Well, actually, this is totally off topic, but because I am very into cats, as everyone should know at this point, um, I looked into fostering kittens and the um, the local shelters and things are really in need of kitten fosters right now because the unseasonably warm temperatures have meant that... Cats are having more litters later in the year, and so at a time when there aren't usually many kittens, the shelters are just inundated with them. They're so like weeds; like, they just keep yeah. growing. It, it wasn't
1: because <laughs> of the orc problems that the country's been having over the last couple years.
2: No, the the orcs are well under control. Don't worry about it. But yeah, um I think that's it for Siege the Keep. I will say that you can play a sort of version of Mario Kart if you like racing around on the ley lines. Uh, there's almost a complete track that moves you very fast around the arena, and it's sort of—it's not even remotely part of the encounter. But uh, oh, well, so I you need leyline gliding place. for it? Yes, you do. Okay. Well, only only three to four people need it, and then other people having it is you know. okay. Um, but yeah, once you do that, you end up sort of in the the center of the castle where uh, the keep construct is. And the Keep Construct, I, I don't think I'm actually going to talk too much about. Because if you want to know about it, uh, they have put out a metric butt-ton of articles about him in the last week. From the design, to the concept, to the mechanics, to the art. Uh, they've essentially done a huge feature on, on Keep Construct. He is, um, how would I say he, He's part of the castle. He's like a, a golem that's made out of the castle. If you haven't seen any of these things, I highly recommend, you know, going to check out the developers talking about it. Cause I'm sure they're going to do a much better to- job of talking about their game than I will.
1: Yeah. There's like three uh, different dev videos talking about the art of it and so on.
2: Yeah. So he, yeah, he's a, he's a golem essentially made out of the castle, uh, and supported by Mesmer magic. Because as, as we go through, Uh, sort of raid wing three, the end boss, uh, whose name is Zira, is very much, she's, she's present throughout the whole thing. It's not that she's just, uh, you know, you get to the end and you're like, surprise, it's an end boss. No, she's talking at you and taunting you and letting you know that she is not pleased with your presence here. And she, she is responsible for Keep Construct as well as, you know, her own fight.
1: Is she also a little miffed about what happened in the previous two
2: Yes, very much so. Um, yeah, that's what anything. I was going
1: to ask earlier. What are how oh, are yeah, the sure. mechanics? I've seen some videos of um, that fight, and it looks really interesting, jumping between platforms while she um, changes forms, and it looked like that, that, that fight would have some very pretty cool mechanics.
2: Um, hmm, so it's sort of tough to say how I feel about Zira. I think. A lot of people were very disappointed in the overall difficulty of the fight, but to me, it felt like a good capstone of the previous raid wings. It's not necessarily that you're doing anything new or unique or interesting on that fight, but it's more like a, hey, we have learned all these things from doing these previous previous fights. Um, all these tactics are sort of valid here and work very well. And defeating Zera sort of, uh, very much shows your mastery over the other parts of the raid and so yeah it wasn't very difficult actually we spent um i had a group of not not a not a guild group but a group of people who pretty much all knew each other um, or all had had raided with someone in the in the group before um and so it was definitely a highly skilled group overall and it took us maybe three to four hours to down zero for the first time uh the mechanics, yeah, I get, yeah. So the mechanics aren't really anything new. She doesn't do anything that's not terribly that we haven't seen on another boss, I guess I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, there are puzzle elements to the fight, which are sort of interesting. Uh, there's a, a platform with three buttons on it that you have to rotate between. Uh, so you get a debuff when you're on a button, and it counts up to ten, and if it hits ten, you die. But if you rotate to the left, say all of you can step on a button again, even though you've just been on one, because the debuffs are unique per button. Um, That fight does require leyline gliding. At the middle of it, there is a sort of race portion where she pulls you off the platform and you have to race in a ring around the outside to get back to a new platform before she destroys the, the previous ones, which is an absolute killer. That is uh gorseval updraft level of uh yeah, i was
1: just gonna say but, so is that like the new gorseval mechanic the new yeah. but uh, reminiscent of
2: someone in my group i had never heard the term before i don't i presume it's a common term but they're calling them yasds which is yet another stupid death uh mechanics and i can definitely see that being a, a term that's commonly used even though i hadn't heard it before
0: I've never heard it, but it's
2: definitely maybe I'm not
1: hip with the kids anymore.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean you're
1: not big on the rating slang scene.
2: I'm I'm gonna use it though because it is a great term to describe those kinds of mechanics where where the, a little
1: ooh, bit of lag that isn't your fault can just destroy a run. Yeah,
2: which yeah. is really unfortunate. Even though I, I mean, I like the mechanic, and I have to say that even with my <laughs> I've been calling it very Australian ping lately because it's even a little bit higher than normal. Um, I haven't had any problems falling off of it, I have to say. so Get good.
0: Get good, noobs. Yeah.
2: (laughs) No, I I definitely know that it's a problem and, you know, oftentimes it won't be your fault when you fall off the ley lines and it still destroys the run. Although... I do have to say, I went back this week to do it again with this same group, and one of our Ellie's died during the ley line run, and we nine-manned it to the end, uh, completed it ex- ex- successfully, went to open the chest, and this particular individual, who missed the entire latter half of the fight, got A, an ascended weapon box, B, an ascended sword, and C, the mini, all from the same chest after we carried him, uh, which was... A source of amusement and sadness for the rest of us.
0: Yeah, them RNG, uh, RNG tables, yo. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the thing is, is really that happens all the time. Well, maybe not that good of drops, but you know, pe- people get carried. In most raid groups, there is somebody that is, you know, the 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 skill is not even necessarily, and it may be pretty even, but there are people that are better and people that are worse, and in most successful groups. You know, there's probably some of both and the rewards don't really care which one you are as long as the group as a whole did it. It's just mm-hmm. more obvious when they're dead.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, yeah. Like I said, we were <laughs> friends. No, no hard feelings. Just had a good laugh about it at the end. Um, yeah. I was going to say something else. Oh, another mechanic of the zero fight is that at certain health percentages she will start a massive attack. Um, think... Gorcival's World Eater, where he sort of channels a big thing, and then you have to jump off the platform and updraft back to avoid. Instead of that, she gives one single player in the raid a special action skill, and it'll say, like, uh, Spirit Face has harnessed uh, ambient magic. And ten seconds later, she will cast this platform wipe skill. Uh, So you have to cast this, essentially, shield. Think of it like a guardian sanctuary to protect your party, and if you're not inside that bubble, you will all die. Uh, so the first time I encountered this skill, I, you know, because other people had been getting it before me, I knew roughly what it did, but I didn't, you know, I hadn't used it myself yet. We were at sort of 15% left on the boss, I don't remember exactly what the the percentages are under 50% when she casts it, Uh, but she was casting it on me, and I went to put it down, And it turns out (laughs) that it was ground targeted, which I just thought it spawned around me. So I cast it completely on the other side of the platform and wipe our whole party on our best attempt (laughs) so far. Oops. I was with it. (laughs) That's tragic. I got to it. I knew where it was. Uh, But yeah, I have been filled with embarrassment and have not done it again since. But uh, yep, that can happen too.
0: That's funny. Yeah, I wish I wish it was a little bit more apparent, uh, especially with skills that aren't actually on your bar. <laughs> um, I don't know, I guess there's really no way to know that unless you just sort of look the stuff up or, you know, just have a few attempts ruined. But such is life. I, I mm-hmm. It's probably for the best that it is ground targeted, just so that, you know, if you need to, you can sacrifice yourself. If you are out of position in the first place, you can just mm-hmm. put it near your allies. So. Yeah.
2: Yeah, no, it, it's not. It's not a thing that's gonna wipe more, most groups. I yeah, I mean, especially if, if you've got one person in the fight who's done it before, it's it's a thing that they're definitely gonna warn people about, and it's not gonna be an issue. But for us, uh, that was day two of the raid being out, and so not many people had been to zero yet, and we uh, just didn't quite didn't quite uh, remember to warn me about that.
0: So really, it's their fault. That's what you're telling me.
2: Yeah. Gosh, group, why do you suck so much? You, yeah, they lost you, you the raid. You not me.
0: Yep. Uh, that reminds me back when we played Guild Wars 1, we always had a friend who was sort of... He was sort of the... We, we always just blamed him for everything, even though it was clearly not his fault. And <laughs> that was like our go-to. Like, why did you lose us the Deep? When you know, he like he wasn't even there, or yeah, <laughs> he was there, but like was completely not doing anything related to it. I'm just like, geez, Eric, why'd you lose us the deep? So, there you go. Mm-hmm.
2: I don't have a lot else to say about uh, Wing 3 at the moment because I don't want to spoil too much. I will say, if you like lore and things, uh, this is a very good one to go check out. Um, there are many many like 15 maybe fully voiced conversations with glenna like five after each boss um where you can sort of ask her questions about the different raid wings you know the different lore in the area what she thinks about different things um and you'll have you know several second or maybe like 15 to 20 second conversations about various things uh including slothosaur uh, i I really enjoyed this one' I'll, I guess I'll talk about it because of the previous raid right wing uh Glenna says something about how slothosaur has likely been mutated or maybe experimented on It's sort of fifty 50 she says about which you know whether the right, white mantle were responsible for slothosaur or not but in the end he did just want a hug uh, which I thought was funny that was uh something much uh, much like what a player would say about slothosaur so i I had a good chuckle about that one.
1: So was Glenna someone that you interacted with in previous Raid Wings, or was she just in this one? And if I'm not mistaken, Uh, she's part of the Priory, right?
2: Yes, she is part of the Priory. She, uh, I believe, was on one of the ships that crash-landed in Spirit Vale. And she wasn't in the actual first Spirit Vale release. She was the merchant there, and then she was named Glenna with uh, the release of Salvation Pass. Uh, She became a much more prominent character in Salvation Pass, and then she is one of the main focuses of Stronghold of the Faithful. Which, by the way, Net, did you really have to name all three raid wings with uh, S at the beginning just for maximum confusion?
0: Uh, uh, yeah, that's how it works. Just like <laughs> Heart of Thorns came out at a time when H of something yeah. or Heart of something came out all at the same time. Yeah. So HOT was the HOT acronym in yeah. some form or another back then. Super hot, super hot super hot yes, yeah indeed. uh so how would you i guess how would you just rate the overall funness of of this raid wing compared to the others both in terms of i guess challenge um strategies involved all the like just just in general
2: uh funness it is my favorite wing hands down uh with spirit veil being a close second and then salvation pass being a distant third uh, I don't necessarily have... I do enjoy Salvation Pass. I'll just throw that out there, because I don't want to throw, <laughs> throw Salvation Pass under the bus. Uh, my gripe with Salvation Pass has mainly been it's really hard to get a group through Slothosaur, which means it's really hard to see the rest of the wing, even though Slothosaur is not the hardest boss in the wing. Or is the hardest... The The end bosses are easier than Slothosaur, in my opinion, to get a group through, so uh i would like to see more of salvation pass with my groups but unfortunately we're getting hung up on slothosaur uh relics has has now finally killed slothosaur once and we got him to three percent last week but it's still a little bit dicey and we're still uh ironing that fight out um but stronghold of the faithful hands down my favorite in terms of fun uh i like the mechanics there. Uh, even though they aren't particularly difficult. And I think uh, part of my... I I definitely think my impressions are skewed by the fact that I've only cleared them with the people who are really dedicated to raids. Um, Nah, that's not a good way of saying it. Basically, I've only... You've
0: only played it with hardcore groups that are regularly clearing all of the other raids, and so they're, they're... initial competence floor like their their skill their skill level their initial competence level is high enough that you're not struggling as much as you would with your regular group that you know like you just said is not is has just now killed slothosaur for the first time
2: yeah i and i know for a fact that things like keep construct where our current strategy for that group is predicated on having really high dps i don't know if other groups will be able to um, use those strategies because I don't know if they'll be able to maintain that amount of DPS. So if if they aren't able to maintain that amount of DPS uh, then they will have to use different strategies which I think will lead to the overall wing being a lot harder. Uh, but if you do have good DPS I think it makes this one a lot easier. So I'm not sure to where to place it on a challenge rating because I just haven't gotten far enough in it with groups that aren't this particular one that it, it definitely excels at it uh but funness yeah i've god i really do enjoy the mechanics the siege of the keep was just so different from anything else in guild wars it was very refreshing and then uh, a, sec- a segment we didn't talk about which is directly after keep construct and between uh keep construct and zera is the twisted keep we were stuck in there for four hours uh and it was because we were using a bad strat and we should feel bad Uh, but also because it was very complicated and there weren't a lot of guides out yet. Uh, But essentially, you're navigating a very complex maze that is linked up by portals. Oh, boy. So you can't necessarily see where a portal is going to take you when you go through it. You might end up in a a different place than you expected to. Uh, It's not very easy to read visually on a map um it is multiple levels it's sort of um think m c escher and think uh floating destroyed castle bits so you might be walking down a hallway with a portal at each end and then you look down and there's another hallway with a portal and a button in it uh there's seven buttons in the maze but six that you have to activate to open doors you don't necessarily know what those doors are there's branching paths there are portals that take you to a different place if you enter them again. So like, if you come through a portal and then go back through that portal, you'll end up in a different place than when you came through the portal. So backtracking is part of the strategy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is plagued with uh, white mantle enemies who already talked about knocking you around. Um, there are illusionary floors in there uh, which you can fall straight through because they have no collision and you will plummet to your death and usually find one or two other people down there that have also plummeted to their death so you don't tribulation mode style oh yes um but the most interesting enemies in there and the most interesting mechanic to me is that in the center there is a giant pillar and if you face that pillar you get stacks of a debuff called madness which kills you if you hit 99. So it's all about managing your character's positioning to not face the center of the maze. Uh, and there, there are multiple other things you can do to, to reduce or mitigate the effects of madness, but you will take uh, madness periodically. I think it's like every 10 seconds or so. So there's also sort of a time limit to this. You can, you can uh, resist the time limit, but eventually you will die <laughs> if you are in there for a long, long period of time and in addition to that there is an enemy called a haunted statue and if you're familiar with uh weeping angels from doctor who that is what these are they they have to be looked at and they will they will be immobile if you're looking at them but the second you look away they sprint at you and if they hit you they'll teleport you back to the beginning of the maze so it sounds How does it
0: determine rough. if you're looking at them is it just like if they are on your screen or no. like you have to be physically facing them
2: Uh, Your character has to be physically facing them. Okay. Um, It's It also seems a little bit wonky. Like sometimes we'll be looking at or we'll think we'll be looking at them. So I don't know quite what determines if you're looking at them. Most of the time, if, if you have your character pointed at them, they will not move. It'll be fine. Sometimes it seems like whatever debuff they get that i'm like however it works mechanically i don't you know it's probably hidden like conditions and things that stop them from moving um it seems like it doesn't get applied right like if you look away and then look back real fast or there's a cooldown down and down or, or something so it's a bit tricky to navigate it's much easier if there's more people with you so we uh what we had been struggling with and failing as we tried to do a five-five split to send people, you know, through one portal to go get those buttons and another people through the other branch in the path, which didn't work out very well for us. Um, I've seen a number of groups use that strategy. It'll just be whatever's good for your group because it seems fairly flexible. But for us, the, the everyone going together seemed to work much better. Fair enough. I think that's it. Yeah, I don't know. I really enjoyed that whole portion, the the twisted castle, despite being stuck there for a long time. Uh, which got quite irritating. The figuring it out part, I quite enjoyed. I like those sort of puzzles. Yeah, that'll just be a personal thing, too. I don't think everyone will find that as fun as I do because I know some people don't like puzzles. They're just in raids to smash bosses and beat people up. But I quite enjoyed <laughs> that that aspect of it. So that 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 twisted uh, castle segment is what, what elevates um, Stronghold of the Faithful above the others for me.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, well, I feel like we've talked about it quite a bit. You talked for darn near 45 minutes, I think, so...
2: Holy cat, who let me talk that long? Oh god, my voice. <laughs> uh,
0: um, yeah, I don't know, so that's uh, it's cool. I'm glad that you're enjoying it, and, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know that there's too much else to talk about, since we're, not, we're explicitly not talking about story elements, so, um... You know, unless there was anything else you wanted to talk about too dreadfully, I think it's about time to move towards the end of the show.
2: Um, Just briefly, Mm -hmm. ArenaNet did have a presence at E3, which happened a week ago. Not even, Mm -hmm. I don't know, it was very recently. Um, They, we didn't really hear much about what they were doing on the show floor. Uh, Apparently behind the scenes, they did talk quite a lot to media outlets, uh, which are under an embargo that has a TBD lift date. Um, But in much in the way that things unfortunately do with Guild Wars 2, and let's not talk about the state of games journalism in in general, uh, things have been making their way out and leaking very much. Um, If you want to find those, they are out there. I don't necessarily believe that we should talk about leaks, Um, but a non-leaked website essentially said, you know, ArenaNet talked a lot to us and if no matter what content you like in Guild Wars 2, something is coming up for you pretty quickly. So but I assume that means PvP World Be World and and PvE as well. So hopefully
0: <laughs> PvE also includes non raid content. Yes.
2: <laughs> I, I concur I hope you guys like or I hope the non-raiders also get their content. I don't... Yeah, whatever. I'll play that living story stuff too. <laughs> no, I am quite looking forward to it. Like, I really hope um, we are now approaching the July quarterly patch, right?
0: Yeah, but, uh, ostensibly.
2: Yeah, I mean, they haven't talked about it, but they're doing quarterly patches, and the last one was in April, so we have to figure that one is coming up, and I think that would be... A really good time to do the living story. Arena, if you if it's ready, I hope. Please Anet please. Yeah, yeah, ain't it please. Yeah, we don't know anything about the July patch, but based on the quality of the January and the April ones, I do have high hopes at this point.
0: Yep. Alright. Well, I think that about wraps it up. We don't have a cast cast this week, do we?
2: No, I've been super busy and I don't know anything that's going on
0: yeah me too i i didn't i actually hadn't even heard about that leak stuff that you were talking about because i also have been quite busy so now i have to go look it up yeah i mean i don't look at leaks or non-official sources for anything Mm -hmm. um but yeah thanks for joining us both you guys and any listeners and we will be back sometime fairly soonish, hopefully so uh yep thanks for tuning in
2: This has been another episode of Relics of Ore. If you want to get in touch with us, you can check out our website and forums at relicsofor.com, email us at relicsofor at gmail.com, or find us on your favorite social media site, just by searching Relics of O-R-R. If you'd like to join us in-game, you can send a Whisper or in-game mail to Spiritface, or drop us a note on Twitter or our website and say hi. Lastly, if you listen to the podcast on iTunes, feel free to leave us a comment and the rating you feel we deserve.